First up at UFC Vegas 39, we have Steve Garcia versus Charlie Antaveros. Steve Garcia, 11 and 4 overall. He is 4 and 1 in his last five, coming off of a loss. Charlie Antaveros is 11 and 7 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, also coming off a loss. Both of these guys are coming off of losses in their UFC debut. So they're looking for their first UFC win. Charlie Ontiveros, again, coming off his UFC debut. But what's interesting, shorter fight against Kevin Yes, Kevin Holland at 185 pounds. And yes, the screen is correct. This is at lightweight, 155 pounds. So he took it on short notice. He was fighting at 170, took it on short notice, bumped up to 85. Now coming down to 155, where he will be huge and thinks he will have an advantage. He was absolutely pummeled in that Kevin Holland fight, uh, but you almost have to ignore it, honestly. It was short notice against Kevin Holland, who, despite his recent streak, is pretty good. Um, so ignore that. Look at the rest of his career. Once you start digging into his career, you'll see he has somewhat of a hollow record uh, against non-UFC caliber talent. He's a striker with a traditional martial arts background, which means he has that... that uh, what the hell is his name? Wonder Boy stance. Nice wide stance. Hands like this. Super, legs super far apart. Uh, but he gets a bit wild. He throws unorthodox strikes uh, while chasing finishes. And he's honestly pretty fun to watch. He does not have much to offer on the ground. But he will always make an interesting fight on his feet. One important thing to note is 100% of his losses, all seven of his losses, were by knockout. Steve Garcia, solid grappler with good takedowns and decent boxing. He likes to come forward with big shots to set up his grappling. Um, the odds are honestly wide on this. Uh, I, I think the odds maker said, oh, Charlie Ontiveros gets knocked out every single time he loses. He's probably going to lose. Let's call that a knockout. And they got these odds. These odds are, are honestly pretty, pretty wide. Um, you know, Steve does has a, have a pretty clean path to victory here with the grappling. Should be pretty straightforward. Um, so Steve should win, but if he engages in the striking, he could potentially have some issues. What do you think about this one, Jakey Poo? Yeah, I agree with kind of like that last thing you said. If, if Steve starts getting a striking match for Charlie, this is going to be an interesting matchup. I honestly, I agree that the odds are kind of wide on this because, because Charlie is so wild. He just always has that opportunity to catch someone in, in, a, in a weird way. Uh, I see Steve as, as. If he does, like you said, if he goes to the grappling, he's going to win. Uh, Ontiveros was absolutely dominating the grappling department by Holland, which was surprising to see because Holland, as we've seen, is not a wrestler. So, um, this is one of those fights. Actually, I'm going to look for like an inside the distance um, fight for either way. And I honestly, at plus 240, might throw some money on Charlie because he is wild enough, throwing wild knees on entries. He can do some, you know, it's interesting to find some, uh, some money at 240 for him. So, probably inside the distance here, but uh, Garcia should win for sure. But, um, I'm interested in Charlie. Yeah, I uh, I think that's fair. Yeah, Garcia should definitely win. And uh, Charlie has proven that every single time he loses, he gets stopped, which is where these odds are coming from. There's probably a solid inside the distance bet that could be made here just based off of history. Uh, the biggest question mark for me will be Charlie's size. And a lot of people are like, oh, my God, he fought at 185. This is 155. That's crazy. But he fought at 185 on short notice, and he was a 170-pounder. So it's not like he's a 185-pounder with a storied career, and he's working his way down. That's not what it was, right? He jumped up for the short notice. So 
He's really a 170 pounder coming down. Steve Garcia is honestly kind of small for the weight class. So there might be a giant size discrepancy here. I am curious to see what happens at weigh-ins. So I have no bet on this. I, I want to see what happens at weigh-ins. I want to see, you know, if Charlie made weight and he's just massive and looks good, he's got that crazy style, you know, anything could potentially happen. And he might be hard to take down when you start factoring in the size. Um, but what works against you is if you suck a lot of weight, your chin does not hold up really well. So I'll look at weigh-in. Steve's the pick. $9,100 in DraftKings. Honestly, it's probably not a miserable play. There's only 10 fights on this card. So there's not a lot of fighters to pick from. So that's probably not a terrible person to have your lineup. Uh, and the monkey knife fight strike line, you know, it's either more and more or less, less. If you think Steve Garcia just blows through Charlie, then less, less. But I actually think more and more is probably the play here because, you know, I don't think he's going to engage in too much striking. He'll try to grapple. There'll be a bunch of strikes on top. Charlie's wild. He'll land some stuff. I think it goes a good amount. I don't know if it'll go to a decision, but I think we'll get two plus rounds of action. I think more and more is the play. What do you think? Yeah, I honestly think that it's going to be a quick stoppage, but I would still even play the more and more on monkey knife fight. I think that's definitely the, the safer play probably. Well, if you want to grab a monkey knife fight promo, we want picks.com slash MKF. They will instantly deposit match your deposit up to $100. I don't have a bet on this one. Like I said, I'll wait till weigh-ins. But the reason I'm up units last week is I didn't force anything. Jacob's up big last week with the Jamie Malarkey fight. Let's see if we can keep this train rolling. Up next at UFC Vegas 39, we have Lupita Godinez versus Sam Hughes. Lupi Godinez, 5-1 and one in her career, 4-1 and one in her last five, coming off of a loss to Jessica Panay, which was absolute nonsense, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Sam Hughes, 5-3 and three in her career, 2-3 and three in her last five, coming off of that loss to Luma Look Boom Me. Lupita Godinez, Jacob's former lock of the week. I mentioned coming off that loss to Jessica Panay, which honestly was complete nonsense. She won that fight. Bad decision, straight up, but it is what it is. Uh, she's a very good wrestler. She has solid striking with real power. Nice, clean boxing. Uh, and she has really good setups for both her wrestling and her striking. Uh, you know, she's fantastic, honestly. You had a solid lock of the week pick. When it was against Panay, he just got every robbed. Time. I mean, that's every week. I guess I get screwed every, every single week. Every single week. Sam Hughes, not very tough. You know, Dan and I had an argument last time we broke down Sam Hughes, how tough she actually is. But I said not. He said she was. But um, but she is a good size for the weight class. She's very aggressive, but also very hittable. According to the sort of small sample size in the UFC, she gets hit twice as much as she hits the other person. So she lands one and he gets two landed on her, which is not fantastic. Her forward pressure can be an issue for some people, but I think it'll actually play perfectly into uh, Lupita's skill set. Because if you look at her last fight, she was taken down four times by a much smaller kickboxer. Loma Lukbumi was supposed to be this nasty world-beater kickboxer, and she just took Sam Hughes down over and over again. No big deal. Sam Hughes marching forward is going to be a problem for her because Lapita is just going to light her up or take her down and uh, pretty much have her way with her. The odds, we mentioned the last fight, the odds were wide. I think these, ones, these odds are closer than they should be. 
This is actually a trilogy. They fought each other twice already. The first time they fought was a draw. The second time they fought, Lapita Cadenas won a unanimous decision. Jacob, let us know your thoughts, and then I'll tell you guys what two bets I have on this fight. Yeah, the trilogy. This should have been uh, the headliner of like UFC 267 <laughs> or something. Loopy Hughes 3. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see those first two fights. Uh, I'm sure a lot has changed. It was when they were amateurs. They both had some fights uh, since then. But, you know, Loopy, as you mentioned, former lock of the week. She won her last fight. For some reason, she was getting penalized for Pene grabbing onto her. And Lily, she would just throw Jessica across the octagon. Lily just tossed her across the octagon. She's going to do the same thing to Sam Hughes in this matchup. I think she's going to absolute dominate. Loopy is one of those next level fighters that you can watch when you watch her fight, that you can just see that there's a difference between her and most people. I think she's going to be competing for a title pretty soon. Um, I love that. I, even at, at minus 200, I like those odds. Uh, I would put her in my DraftKings for sure. $8,600 is crazy value for the stuff that she can pull off. Um, I think she's going to finish this fight and finish a fight probably pretty early. So uh, I love Loopy in this matchup. She's going to absolutely dominate. Yeah, I uh, I agree with all of that. I, I 100% agree. $8,600 is a great price point for her um, because takedowns are five points. She will land some takedowns. There'll probably be a stoppage here. I have two bets on this fight. I have Lupita inside the distance at plus 315. So I can trip my money there. And I have Lupita minus three and a half points at plus 110. So what that means is you've heard us talk about buying points where we find a really tough underdog that could win one round. I just need one round and then I'll take my bet. We're actually subtracting points. So if Lapita wins by stoppage, I already have a bet on that, but let's say she wins by stoppage or a unanimous decision at 30-27, so doesn't give up a round, I'll hit that bet as well. That's honestly a bit of an experiment. I'm messing with these minus three and a halves. I hit it last week on um, Alexander Hernandez. So I'm going to mess with these, takes people that I'm positive are going to win, sprinkle that, see what happens. But anyway, I do have two bets on Lapita. I think she's rock solid for DraftKings. I think there's a stoppage, but this line does worry me a bit. I'm probably going to do the less, less on Monkey Knife Fight. What do you think about that line? Yeah, I would go either more or less or less, less. Definitely less for Sam Hughes. Um, and then it just depends on do you think Sam Hughes is tough or not. Um, so I would probably play the less, less because I, lo I love Loopy. Yeah, and if you like this line, hit it now, especially if you're watching this live because Chris will let these lines, every fight we walk through, he will leave these Monkey Knife Fight lines where they are. And then tomorrow... He moves them. So if a bunch of action comes in on this because you guys all love the less, less, that line's moving tomorrow. So hit it now before it moves. Wewonpicks.com slash MKF. If you like the idea of that minus three and a half bet, literally the only place you are ever going to find those crazy prop bets, if you go to wewonpicks.com slash bets and then jump into the bet online link, all sorts of crazy prop bets. I'm experimenting with the minus three and a halfs. I love the plus three and a halfs. I love buying one round uh, or sorry, buying two rounds basically on a judge's scorecard for an underdog. I'm experimenting with giving up a round um, for a favorite. So we'll see how that works out for me. Next up at UFC Vegas 39, we have Damon Jackson versus Charles Rosa. Damon Jackson, 18, four and one overall, three and two in his last five. Charles Rosa, 14-5-0 in his career. Three and two in his last five, alternating wins and losses. If you remember Rosa, 
He's coming off of that win over Justin James where he was absolutely dominating the grappling for two rounds. Then in the third round, Rosa, or, uh, James has Rosa like 90% knocked out on his feet and then shot a takedown for some reason, was reversed and lost the fight. So Charles Rosa was basically gifted that win. He earned the two rounds and then should have been put out if his opponent had a tiny bit more fight IQ. Uh, Charles Rosa has great jujitsu, uh, but in some cases, all he has is jujitsu. In most fights, his grappling should be able to get it done. He does have clean boxing. At this point in his career, he is a veteran. The problem is he's not consistent. And while he needs to grapple to win, he doesn't win off of his back. So, like, he needs to initiate the takedowns and win on top. He needs to earn those scrambles to win this fight and use his grappling. He's not a guard grappler. He's more of a control grappler. He moved to Sanford MMA, uh, you know, and he looked good in his last fight up until he got clipped. And your chin is your chin. It is what it is. Damon Jackson, also a very good grappler. He's a very opportunist grappler, meaning... He just snatches things up and scrambles. He doesn't plot from technique to technique. He doesn't knee on belly, slide over to mount and set things up. He creates a scramble and he will snatch something up inside of that scramble. Uh, he's willing to slug it out on times, which honestly could be an issue for Charles. That's what we saw happen in his last fight. He definitely doesn't have the cleaner striking, but his willing willingness to engage uh, will benefit him in this fight. If you check out the stats, these guys are almost identical across the board. But Charles is a little bit better everywhere. His strike differential, meaning how many he lands versus receives, um, is even. He gives one and to get one, basically. Um, if you look at Damon Jackson, he's almost hit 30% more than he does the hitting. So three to one getting hit versus doing the damage. Uh, Damon Jackson only has a 20% takedown accuracy versus Charles 35 the stats are, are telling you Charles Rose is going to win this fight, but honestly, stats don't pick fights. I like Damon Jackson in this fight. I think Damon's will, his determination, his willingness to absolute scrap it out, and his fight IQ will be too much for Rosa. Bros, he was borderline gifted that non-knockout in the last fight because James made a poor decision. I don't see Damon Jackson making those same decisions, making those same mistakes. His grappling can at least survive, and then on his feet, he's going to throw wild and potentially catch him. I like Damon Jackson in this fight. That was my long-winded breakdown. What do you think, Jakey? I'm actually surprised. I didn't know what the odds were until I saw this slide. I'm actually surprised that uh, Damon Jackson's favored. Um, I would have thought that as odd, ma odd makers look at Charles Rosa and kind of his um, resume, that they might respect him a little bit more, and I thought he'd be the favorite going in this fight. If you look at his last four losses, once to the Ayer Rodriguez, Who's a, who's a title contender now? Shane Burgos, who's this incredible fighter. Bryce Mitchell, who's the best wrestler Arkansas wrestling in, in the UFC, the most dominant fighter in the UFC period. Um, and then Derek Minner, who was uh, just kind of out wrestled him. And you nailed it with Charles Rosa with with the wrestling. He's a he's a great grappler. He's a black belt, um, but he doesn't wrestle, and he will get out wrestled, and he will lay on his back and just try to work for stuff. But against a good wrestler that can hold positions, you know that's how he gets beat. And Damon Jackson can probably be that guy. He probably should be that guy in the fight. And I'm probably that's probably what the odd make odds makers are seeing. But Charles Rosa, I think, is like a next level grappler. And Damon Jackson, I don't know if he's going to be able to control those positions as much as he would like. I think that's where they're going to end up. I honestly think it's going to be the um, 
the fight of the night, um, in my opinion. It might be a little sloppy at times. There'll be some weird exchanges, some weird rolling around, but I think it's going to be the fight of the night. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards Rosa um, at, for a betting at 145 because I think it's a pretty close fight. Um, but if I were to pick, um, it would probably be Jackson. Also, Charles Rosa did the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I think in his first, first pro fight, um, he got this arm bar. And uh, what's what's that? The ref's name, the big bald ref, uh, Margliana or whatever. Yeah, he was refing. And Margliana, after the ar- arm bar, pushed him off. And when he pushed him off, he fell and separated his shoulder. So the ref literally injured him in, in the octagon. It's the craziest thing. But um, yeah, I, I, would pick, I would pick Jackson in this fight. Um, but I think Rosa is, a, is an interesting underdog play for sure. What do you think of uh, DraftKings and Monkey Knife fight? Uh, DraftKings, uh, I would probably choose Rosa in the, you know, kind of that value play at $7,800, um, to free up a little bit more money. Monkey knife fight. This could be just all grappling or nobody grapples and it's just sloppy striking. Um, it's probably more and more. Cause I think that there's going to be a lot of just ground exchanges and stuff like that. So I probably play more and more. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do think this goes, I don't think there'll be a stoppage. Obviously we've seen Charles Rosa's chin tested. Damon Jackson knows that. He's willing to slug it out, and he could test Charles Rosa's chin. But his chin was tested, and then he survived. So he he didn't just completely fold. While you were talking, I did just place a bet. I did um, Charles Rosa inside the distance, decision, no action. So Charles Rosa can pull off a submission. I'll get paid. If Charles Rosa loses, could be a murdering of a decision or even wins a decision, I get a refund. No bet, no big deal. And I got that at plus 125. So only a little bit less than the money line. And I've got some protection built into there where he could lose a decision and uh, and I still get paid. So uh, I like that bet. I agree. Uh, you know, Charles Rosa definitely has the grappling to make something happen. He is a veteran. Damon Jackson's the pick, but the reality is, you know, money's money. And uh, if I'm going to put money on this, well, I did put money on this, a half a unit. Uh, I like Charles Rosa to potentially get a submission. And if he doesn't get a submission, he could probably survive more and more with monkey knife fights, probably the safe play. I don't know if I'm going to touch either one in DraftKings. And uh, we got a bunch of comments in the live chat saying that this line opened up the other way. Charles Rosa was the favorite and then it was bet and it flipped. So lots of money came in on Damon Jackson. So I think Damon Jackson's probably the solid, you know, the, the, the more solid pick. But as I mentioned, I just put a bet on Rosa for a Hail Mary submission. And if he doesn't get it, I get a refund, and there was no bet. Next up at UFC Vegas 39, we have Alexander, no E, just Alexander Romanov versus Jared Vandera. Alexander Romanov, 14-0, 5-0 in his last five. Jared Vandera, 12-5 overall, 3-2 in his last five. This is an interesting matchup, just a battle of two giant heavyweights. Uh, Romanov's last fight was against Juan Espino. We all picked Juan Espino. Me, Jacob, Dan, Nick did it with us then. We all picked Juan Espino. Uh, and the comment section was wild because a lot of people, like we were slaughtered and praised for that. And, and just the people came out of the woodwork supporting Juan Espino. And if you watch that fight, Juan made a couple of bad decisions, but he was winning that fight. And I think Juan Espino could have won that fight and should have won that fight. Uh, that fight, and this is building up to the breakdown of Alexander's skills, that fight removed a lot of the mystique of Alexander Romanov for me. Because like I said, if 
Juan Espino made one or two different decisions. Didn't he pull guard at one point or jump on a guillotine or something stupid? You take that out of the mix, it's a way different fight, and Juan Espino can win it. Uh, you know, Alexander Romanov, a fantastic, high-caliber wrestler. He's a massive human being with incredible speed and power for his size. Uh, he uses it to take you down and just pound the crap out of you. His nickname is Kong. But honestly, it should be like Brock Lesnar. He fights exactly like Brock Lesnar. Just head down, charge across the cage, get you to the ground, and just pummel your face in. Um, and somebody that big, that fast, that strong, it is hard to stop that moving trade. Jared Vandera basically started his career, built his career, whatever you want to call it, using his wrestling. He was a wrestler, wrestling background. Then we saw him just touch up Justin Taffa with his striking. Great long jab. Looked really good on his feet. Phenomenal boxing. Uh, so the breakdown on who Vandera is as a fighter in his last fight versus this fight now is very different. In his last fight, we weren't talking about how clean his boxing is and how long his, how long his jab is and how well he moves. That, that wasn't a skill set that he had two fights ago. And now he does. We saw it. And it looked fantastic. Um, he used that jab to manage distance and control really well. Uh, and the striking was clean. He has a wrestling background. If I didn't see Vandera lose in embarrassing fashion to Spivak in what was a, a miserable wrestling match, I honestly would put, pick, pick Vandera to win. But I've watched him with my own eyes get out-wrestled by somebody who's not near the wrestler that Romanov is. So, I, you know, I got to go with, with Alexander Romanov as the pick. I imagine he's going to lose the same way he lost to Spivak. But I will say, after Romanov's not dominant performance against Espino, and after Jared Vandera's dominant performance against Justin Taffa, this is not a minus 400 versus plus 300. But we've seen Jared get taken down and controlled. So that would probably happen here. What do you think, Jakey? I agree that this honestly feels like a trap. It honestly feels like a trap because Romanov should dominate. I think he's going to dominate. Everyone thinks he's going to dominate, but I agree. For some reason, this feels like an absolute trap at minus 400. Um, so that's kind of my pick. I, I would pick Romanov. I, I would put him in my DraftKings lineup. I wouldn't touch the minus 400, um, but it feels like a trap. It feels like a trap. Uh, it, it does. And honestly, I, I almost wish I didn't see the Spivak fight because that, that was embarrassing. We picked Jared to win that fight. Uh, he got tooled and it was embarrassing, like very, very embarrassing the way he lost that fight. And then he looked amazing against Taffa, just a completely different person. So, you know, it, it, he probably will lose. Alexander Romanov is a proven sort of one dimensional fighter and he's just going to stick to that one thing and, and should do it. Well, I did bet the over on the rounds one and a half rounds. Listen, Jared Vandera, even in the Spivak fight, which was humiliating for him, that didn't end until the end of the second round. So one and a half rounds is not a very long time. I see this going over that. I put a full unit on the over on round. I think I got it on plus money. So I'm happy with that bet. And because I did over one and a half rounds, I also did the more and more on Monkey Knife Fight. What do you think? 
I love that uh, one and a half. I'm going to go on it and play that as well. I think I, I completely agree that even if Romanov kind of dominates, maybe takes them down, I think Jared's tough enough to uh, to withstand that. And the only thing that would scare me is Romanov's the dude that had like the full mount with the double hammer fist strikes, which is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. So that would worry me, but I'll, I'll probably play that one and a half with you. Um, and I like the more and more as well. Yeah, I mean, it's plus money. So the odds makers do not think this is going to go past one and a half rounds, but you guys know I, I love my one and a half round lines and I, I like hitting the over. So obviously heavyweights are always risky, but you know, if there's a stoppage here, it's a TKO on top. And Jared's tough. He showed that long, you know, that long jab and might be able to keep him at bay. I do think Romanov's a solid play at $9,200 because takedowns are worth five points. He will eventually get some takedowns and should score well, you know, it, I do think that there could be an upset this, here, but this is literally one of those things that it could almost hurt Romanov if he finishes it with the first takedown, right? This could be this could be takedown. If Jared is able to to his feet, he's gonna get taken down again. So it would almost be more value if the fight lasted longer, even though in DraftKings you're usually looking for that first round finish, you know. It with those takedowns, if he got you know three or four or five and then gets a second round finish, you're gonna get even more points. So it might yeah, be just better last week. Stuff. I forget who it was now, but just last week, somebody scored like 135 points with a bunch of takedowns and a bunch of control instead of just, you know, one takedown and domination or two takedown and domination. Then, then it's, you know, 90 points instead of 135. So, uh, Alexander Romanov is the pick. He's the safe pick. Uh, I bet the over on rounds and the more, more monkey knife fight. Next up at UFC Vegas 39, we have, Chris Gutierrez versus Felipe Calares. Chris Gutierrez, 16, 3, and 2 overall, 4, 0, oh, and 1 in his last five. Felipe Calares, 10, and 2 in his career, 3, and 2 in his last five, alternating wins and losses. Chris Gutierrez is a nasty kickboxer with great low kicks and cage control. He will light up your legs, and he will control the center of that cage while doing it. He has great volume and solid cardio to keep that pace. Uh, there's no secrets as to what his game plan is. Like he's just looking to light up your legs and go from there. Um, he plots forward with the leg kicks and then throws nice, big, straight, heavy punches right behind him. He has really good takedown defense, which allows him to be loose on his feet. Uh, Felipe Calares is a BJJ black belt. He has mediocre striking at best. Uh, he has decent cardio and he's not a quitter. Check out his fight against Montel Jackson to see how tough he actually is. Uh, he doesn't want to strike with somebody like Chris because he will 100% be on the wrong side of those striking exchanges. If you look at the stats, they tell a very scary story on their feet. Chris lands four strikes for every two that he takes, and Felipe gets hit four times for every two that he lands. So polar opposites, uh, and Felipe is just taking a beating across the board, basically. Um the path to victory is definitely the grappling. Grappling uh, That's easier said than done because Gutierrez has a 73% takedown defense compared to Felipe's 23% accuracy. So dominant striker with phenomenal low kicks versus somebody who will need to get it on the ground to win this fight. He's not going to be able to get it on the ground because his legs are just going to be lit the hell up. I did place a bet on this, but before I tell you what it is, what are your thoughts, Jake? 
Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised the odds. Uh, again, this is the first time I've seen the odds. I'm, I'm surprised that these are, are are that wide because, you know, Chris Gutierrez, I agree, probably should win this fight. But he's kind of a low-volume guy. Um, he's not someone that's just going to rush forward and, and really kind of manhand you. He kind of, he'll pick you apart, and Felipe will probably get hit. But for such low volume on a guy that likes to move forward, um, if you get him on his back foot, he's going to be uncomfortable. He doesn't. He's going to be even low more vol or even lower volume um, in that situation. So if Chris Gutierrez is able to control this, um, kind of move forward and, and put Felipe on his back, he probably will piece him apart. But you know, I, I like Felipe kind of with his toughness. You mentioned that with Montel Jackson's last fight against Luke Sanders, he was actually dropped and almost finished in the first round. Came back and, and won that decision. So uh, with his toughness, um, if there's a weird scramble, you mentioned the jujitsu's abilities. Yeah, I could see some value here in seventy three dollars for Felipe. Um, he's he probably shouldn't win, but that's that plus two ten. It's something to maybe throw a half a unit or a unit at, um, and just kind of see what happens. So, um, I think Chris Gutierrez should win, but uh, I kind of like the underdog picking uh, Felipe. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I disagree. I'm I'm big on uh, styles, and styles make fights. And you know, the honestly, the leg kicks are a big, big deal. It's no no better way to slow somebody down to make sure you're not going to get taken down than throwing those low leg kicks. If he threw high body kicks, one could get caught, but he's just lighting up your calves, lighting up those low leg kicks. The bet that I have here is I did a half a unit on the round under because I feel like um, Chris is just going to light those legs up, light those legs up and make something happen. I only did a half a unit instead of a full unit because Felipe is tough. Um, you know, so I don't want to bank on that necessarily, but I also like the less on Gutierrez in monkey knife fight for sure. I don't know what to do with Felipe's line. So what I'm probably going to do is mess with the rapid fires and the slates in monkey knife fight and see if I can get Chris because I know I'm going to do less on him. I don't know what to do with Felipe's line. That's pretty low. What do you think? Yeah, I, you said you bet the under, and then you were kind of worried about Felipe's toughness. He's actually one of those guys, uh, there's a difference between being tough and just be able to take shots and knowing what to do when you're in those situations, right? When you know you're hurt and you know how to get out of those situations. You saw that in the Sanders fight. He's able to scramble out, get back to his feet, buy some time. So he knows what to do when he's hurt. The, the problem is when you know what to do when you're hurt, that means you're getting hurt a lot, right? So um, <laughs> so that's, that's not a good thing on the flip side. So um, I would probably play... Damn, I like Felipe's toughness too, but probably did you say less, less maybe? Yeah, that 46 and a half is, is tough. It's a, that's a tough line. I mean, I, honestly, I, I had two successful splits last week where I did the less and the more or whatever. I split it. I had two of them. This is a hard one. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with Felipe's line, but uh, certainly the, um, the less on Gutierrez because he's going to light up the leg kicks, but he's not. You know, he, he doesn't throw a ton of strikes. So I'll find him in some slates and go from there. I did the under on rounds, but there's a million prop bets that you could probably make some money here. Like Chris Gutierrez wins inside the distance, decision, no action. He's already a favorite, but sometimes they mess those lines up and you can get that at minus 200 inside of minus 275 or something like that. But we want picks.com slash bets. Grab yourself a promo up to $2,500 deposit matches. Next up at UFC Vegas 39, we have Phil Haas versus Darren Wynn. Phil Haas, seven or um, 11 and two overall, five and zero oh in his last five. Duran Wynn, seven and two overall, three and two in his last five. Uh, Duran Come, with uh, with an E, if you don't mind. What? 
His name spelled with an E. Oh, Darren. Yeah, you're right. Oh well. Uh, anyway, this is uh, it's an interesting matchup because uh, Darren Duran is also a very good wrestler. So uh, Phil Hawes is coming off that beautiful win over Kyle Dawkins, where he fixed his cardio issues. That's always been the rub on Phil. He's a first round fighter. He's got a ton of prowler, good wrestling, but a first round fighter. He was a very dangerous man in his last fight and had cardio pretty much the entire time. Uh, he has very good wrestling. He has a ton of power, super explosive, both with his striking and his wrestling. Uh, he is working kicks in to really diversify his striking. He has a ton of power in his hands and he looks better every single fight. He is a legitimate high level athlete. And every time he comes out, it shows there's improvements that are made and he looks fantastic every single time. Darren Duran, also a very good wrestler. He has solid aggression on his feet and continues to come forward with wrestling offense. He's a short little tank of a guy with big looping power shots and like thick hips and those thick hips, which is weird to talk about a man's thick hips, but those thick hips and that body style is actually an issue for wrestlers because in order for Phil to use that high level wrestling and, and he has a much higher level of wrestling uh, experience and success than, than Duran does. But in order to use that, he's going to have to get under Duran's hips. And it's tricky when you get two high-level wrestlers, sometimes they just slug it out. And MMA wrestling is different than traditional wrestling. And in order for Phil to use his wrestling, he's not a hold-you-against-the-cage, trip-you kind of guy. He's literally shoot under the hips and go from there. He has a short, stocky tank of a guy to work with. I honestly think Phil might have some trouble with the wrestling offense. And so then it's going to default to his striking. But Duran, I mentioned MMA wrestling is not regular wrestling. If these two shook hands, had their feet on the line on a wrestling mat, there's no doubt in my mind that Phil will win. I Inside disagree. Cage, what? Darren Wynn is a better wrestler than Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes is a legit good wrestler. Well, this guy's a national champion as well. And what did uh, international wrestling even after college? So Yeah, but it doesn't matter. F Phil Hawes. Uh, I'm telling you, they're back to back. Okay. Darren wins a better wrestler. Anyway, Darren wins uses his wrestling more effectively. MMA wrestling, he comes charging forward, shoots takedowns, and uses it really, really well. Even though Phil, who I think is the more raw traditional wrestler, you're disagreeing, but I, I just think he is. Uh, I think Darren will win the wrestling exchanges, and that could be a problem. If there are no wrestling exchanges, sometimes you get Two grapplers, they don't grapple, they strike it out. I think Phil dominates the striking. He's getting cleaner and cleaner. He's mixing in kicks. His striking looks really good. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, if you think so, I, I don't do you know, know who, who my um, pick is. Here. Do you know who Jaden Cox is? Yes, I know who Jaden Cox is. Do you know who Pat Downey is? No. Do you think I'm not Jayden playing Cox your game? I know what do you're you think doing. Jaden Cox is a good wrestler. I'm not playing your game. Well, let's see his credentials because he seems like a pretty. I'm good guy. not playing Jayden your Cox, game. He's got like a medal on of some sort. Was he a? <laughs> oh, he was like a an Olympic wrestler. So he won gold in, in world championships, bronze at the in, at the Rio at the Olympic Games. Okay. Somebody pulled uh, up. Wikipedia. Darren Wynn has Darren Wynn has beat him, um, in wrestling. So do you still think that Phil Hawes is a better wrestler than Darren Wynn? He beat Olympic wrestlers. I think Phil Haas is a better traditional wrestler, yes. 
There's no chance. That's the only okay. way Darren Wynn is going to win this. If he if he just slows it down and turns into a wrestling match, he'll win. But if Phil Hawes is able to use his athleticism at all, Darren Wynn is going to be in trouble. Listen, the only issue that Phil Hawes, that everyone said, was he, he doesn't have cardio. He doesn't have cardio. He doesn't have cardio. And then you watch his last fight. The whole division, I guarantee, went, uh-oh, because he had incredible cardio. He's already He's a very, very good wrestler in his own right. Um, he, he's improving his striking every single day and he is the definite, he is like the complete opposite of Darren Wynn or D- yeah, Darren Wynn because Phil Hawes knew he had an issue, fixed that issue. Cardi worked hard. Darren Wynn is five foot six and that slob can barely make 185 pounds <laughs> he misses at 185 pounds. Listen, he's got a lot of potential and he's with DC's DC's boys at AKA. If he can put, if he can buckle down and get under control, I think that he can be a really, really good fighter. I just think the athleticism of Phil Halls is going to be a problem for him in this fight. So um, if he comes and shows up, it's going to be a lot closer than people think because I think Win, I think Win is the better wrestler. But Phil Halls needs to use athleticism in and out, um, attack him early, and um, he should win this fight. So I, I my pick is Phil Halls. Yeah, uh, I have. I mean, I look at the uh, my notes, my spreadsheet when I do this. I have Phil Hawes. I have the question mark in the box of who my pick is because he's my pick. But if Darren wrestles, MMA wrestling is crazy. It's I've, I've said this a million times. It is so much easier to finish a bad takedown than it is to defend one. So all – and I'm not saying Darren's going to have a bad takedown. The point is you can shoot a bad takedown and still get it and – you know, you could have phenomenal takedown defense. It's it's still harder to defend a takedown than it is to finish one. So if Darren just comes out here looking to wrestle, it, it could be a problem for Phil. Phil is my pick. There is a question mark next to his name. Um, Phil wrestled at Iowa. Junior college national champion. Didn't wrestle after college because he transitioned right to MMA. So you can't look at the after college credentials there. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do with this monkey knife fight line. And I don't like the money line and bets either. Because I think this is a very, very close fight. They're basically mirror images of each other just on the books, except Phil's a little bit better. <laughs> except a little more. not exactly Yeah, mirror. on the books, in writing. <laughs> yeah. He's, one is chiseled out of granite, and the other one is chiseled out of lard. <laughs> well, it, it's it's a much tougher fight to pick than the odds makers make you think, or DraftKings. I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because... The winner's going to score a good amount of points. I don't like the strike line in either direction. I'm not sure what I'm going to do here. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how this we'll see how this uh, this plays out throughout the week with weigh-ins and things like that. What do you like about the Monkey Knight fight line or the DraftKings? Anything? Uh, I would probably play Phil Hawes because I think he just absolutely dominates. I'd probably play less, less, too, because I think he comes across and just like old school, like Tyrone Woodley, just charge across big right. Um, and then go to wrestling if he needs it. So um, I like, I love Phil Halls. Love Phil Halls. Next up at UFC Vegas 39, we have Sabina Mazo versus Maria Agapova. Maria Agapova, nine and two overall, three and two in her last five, sandwiched between wins uh, or losses. Uh, Sabina Mazo, nine and two overall, also three wins sandwiched between two losses. Uh, and this is a super interesting matchup because it should be a fun fight. We just have two kickboxers. Maria Agapova comes forward, high volume, high pressure, throws caution to the wind at times. And once she settles in and stops chasing a first round knockout, 
She's got solid boxing with clean combinations and has some actual power. Sabina Mazzo, great kicks. She's like a lady crow cop. She just gets that up top. Nice, nice power. Uh, she does not have power in her hands, though, only her feet. Um, both are primary strikers, but very different styles. I see Sabina winning if she can keep this at distance with her range, and Agapova winning if she can get inside kicking range and use her boxing to make it dirty. It's it's so interesting because similar records, similar like on paper style, kickboxer versus kickboxer, but very, very different styles of kickboxing. If you dig into the stats, you'll see that both of them have gotten takedowns in the UFC. Agapova averages more than one takedown per fight. Uh, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of grappling here because Sabina wants to keep that distance, right? She's going to use the range, try to keep Agapova at distance. And if Agapova gets inside the pocket, she's going to throw big, heavy hands and not really look for a takedown. Uh, the most meaningful stat, though, is that Agapova gets hit almost 25% more than she lands. I see Sabina uh, surviving sort of the early throw caution to the wind, look for the, the knockout. And then uh, just using range, touching Agapova up, and riding out a solid decision. So I've got Mazo winning a decision on the outside. What do you think? Listen, I am very, very jealous of Maria Agapova because she went three rounds with Tracy Cortez. And you know I would love to go three rounds with Tracy Cortez. So I'm, and, and that match, I'm, I'm very jealous for in that fact. The biggest difference I see here is Agapova being at ATT. These are both very, very young fighters. They're both very raw. Agapova is, you know, I think the wilder striker, she's not quite as, you know, tight in her striking as, as Mazo, but being at ATT, you've heard Dan mention it a million times. These young people, the young fighters improve so, so fast. And ATT, as we know, is one of the best camps that you can be at. I think she's learning. I think she's learning fast. I think she's tightening everything up and she's going to come in with a game plan she actually might come in with a game plan of, of grappling because Mazo can get out grappled like crazy. Um, so she might, you know, change it up. ATT, they come in with game plans, get some takedowns, win the fight that way. Um, I don't see a finish on either side because they don't have those that straight line power. Um, but I like Agapova in this matchup just because of the ATT, honestly. Uh, and you're not, I mean, listen, that's solid insight. You're not wrong. I mean, if somebody wants to implement a grappling game plan, and that's why I walked through the grappling stats because – Neither one of them had any really meaningful amount, but Maria Agapova averages more than one takedown. And, it, you know, the stats are like literally one point, whatever, takedown per fight. So she does get a takedown. She does look to get it there. Um, you know, so you're right. If, if one of them wants to lean into a grappling heavy game plan, that will absolutely throw the other person off, change up the whole thing. My only concern is... You know, uh, in order to implement a grappling game plan, Maria would have to get inside of the range of Sabino, which is Sabina, which is not easy to do. And once she gets in there, is she really going to shoot a takedown or land bombs because she's in the pocket and she gets wild and looks for finishes? And if she's that close, she's going to go the safe route or look for the finish. So I like Sabina's just range and uh, her ability to control that. High volume, I don't know, 108 high volume. This might be a less for Sabina, a more for Maria fight, um, which had some success with the split last time. So if you like Maria, you like her at 90, or $7,900 also? Uh, 
you know, I like that that number, I guess, but that's just depend on if she does grapple. If she doesn't grapple, it's going to be a sloppy mess of a fight where she might win, she might lose. And at eight thousand dollars, you'd like to see a better better chance at winning than that. Um, so if I knew for sure that she's coming and coming and grapple, absolutely, I do like her at the plus one thirty, and I agree a hundred percent. I think it's less more on the monkey knife fight. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to have a bet on this one. Um, so I will probably grab. I would the, probably uh, play the- uh, underdog uh, parlay with her. Her and someone else, maybe. Maybe her and uh, Rosa, honestly. Just kind of an underdog parlay there. Yeah, I think uh, you you can. I, I honestly think Charles Rosa loses, but I mentioned the bet that I have on him. Um, you know, submission or lose a decision. So, anyway, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here because I think the UFC is also trying to figure out what to do with them. Because neither one have really lived up to a ton of potential, but they could kind of make something happy. So... Curious to see what happens. I have no betting action on this. I do like the less more on Monkey Knife Fights. Weonpicks.com slash MKF to grab your free $100 deposit match. Next up at UFC Vegas 39, we have Tim Elliott versus Mateus Nikolai. Mateus Nikolai, 16-2-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five. Tim Elliott, 17-11-1. Two and three in his last five, but he is riding a two-fight win streak. Tim Elliott is coming off of that gritty win against Jordan Espinoza. But if you remember, the best part about that win is as he was raining down punches and elbows and just beating the piss out of Jordan Espinoza, he was saying, I don't know, your ex-girlfriend reached out to me and said you hit her. You like to hit women? Boom, hit him in the mouth. And it was a wild Wild exchange. If you don't know what I'm talking about or haven't seen that, just check out the community page on our channel. I have a video of that happening and I uploaded that there. It's awesome. It's wild. And it bought Tim Elliott a ton of stock in my book. Tim Elliott is the definition of grit. He constantly comes forward, makes every fight dirty, tons of pressure, tons of volume. He'll stay in your face the entire time, even if he's on the wrong side of the exchanges. He can be getting lit up every time he enters and he will still enter and still come forward and get lit up. His best asset is definitely his grappling. He moves really well on the ground. He has submissions from everywhere. Even though he's so talented on the ground, he will make fight losing decisions. He'll move from a dominant position to throw up a Hail Mary submission, end up on on bottom and sort of lose that round. He is definitely not a position over submission kind of guy. Mateus Nikolai, Good clean striker. He's technical, but not comfortable. Meaning he has his ones and twos down. He has the footwork down. He's where he's supposed to be doing what he's supposed to do, but he does look robotic at times and his striking doesn't flow as nicely as you would like it to for somebody at that level. He's definitely the more technical striker between the two of them, but can he stay composed, stay technical? I feel like he has to think about what he's doing when he's striking, when he has Tim Elliott just charging in front of him, crazy, pushing volume, doing all sorts of nonsense. Uh, Just like they have very different styles on their feet, they have very different styles on the ground. Um, Mateus is a competent grappler, but where Tim will give up a position to chase a submission, Mateus will stick with control and work his way towards a submission when it presents itself With Tim rolling around crazy, looking for things, it is very possible that Mateus will find an opportunity and snatch it up and catch him there, as others have done to Tim Elliott in the past. It's a tough pick, 
Both guys are super good. Very different approaches to this fight. But I like Tim Elliott here, and I honestly might grab the money line. When I checked it earlier, it was at plus 167. I might hit that up. I, I just I just love Tim Elliott and his dirtiness. What do you think? Listen, Tim Elliott was the lock of the week for about 19 minutes tonight because I thought I had some breaking news. I teased you, Angelo, that I had this wild breaking news to report to the world, and it was going to be the most beautiful news I've ever reported in my life because, as you know, me and Matthias, we have our issues. He's with my girl, Luana Pinheiro. And when I was, you know, for some reason, when I was scrolling through her Instagram, as I do every night, I noticed that I had not seen a picture of Matthias on there for a little bit. I counted 16 weeks since she posted a picture. I thought they had broken up. <laughs> I had never been so excited in my life. And I thought Tim Elliott is going to run through this guy, his first fight without his beautiful, unbelievably talented girlfriend. He's going to be a mess mentally. Tim Elliott was the lock of the week pick. And then I started watching um, uh, Luana's stories, and she's in Vegas. She's in his hotel room. She's <laughs> make weight. So that, that my my whole world was just crumbled around me. I hope Tim Elliott beats the absolute shit out of this guy. But I think Matthias <laughs> is going to win. He's a better fighter. I think this is a changing of the guard fight, honestly, that the UFC kind of put together to show off uh, Matthias's um, um, uh, skills. Uh, I think he gets it done. I think he is a very very good fighter. Um, you know, I don't. So I don't. I actually don't hate the 140 because you know Tim Elliott could come come across and just zombie forward, zombie forward, and zombie forward, and just get a, a dirty, dirty win. But um, my pick is uh, Matthias in this uh, in this matchup. Yeah, you and I are splitting a lot of these, which I think we know what that means. But uh, yeah, it it's uh, this is a close fight. This is a, this was a tough pick. I picked Tim Elliott, uh, and hopefully, it's not just recency bias because he is like. Uh, you know, he's just looked phenomenal his last two wins, but this is, you know, he does not have a, you know, look at, he's almost a 500 fighter, which this is, I mean, yeah. And this is another, like, could be fight of the night. Any Tim Elliott fight could be fight yeah. of the night. So this is going to be a fun fight. Yeah. And honestly, but if you dig into his record, he's 17 and 11. A lot of those losses are self-induced. He put himself in those positions. There were fights that he could have won that he was winning, put himself in a stupid position and then lost. Gave up a dominant position, lost the decision. Scrambled when he shouldn't have, got submitted. So Tim Elliott does stupid things in fights, but he sort of has this rebirth, riding two nice wins. That last win was amazing. I, I just, I, I'm feeling it, and, and maybe I'm going to look really stupid on Saturday. I have not grabbed the money line. I might. We'll see if it moves. I'm hoping it moves even more. It was at plus. This, could be a, this is a plus three and a half, I think, for Tim Elliott, probably. It, it, I checked that out. That was like minus 170. So the odds makers yeah, were go. on to that. <laughs> the odds makers were on to that. And if you don't know what that is, basically, if you go to wheelpicks.com slash bets, jump into the bet online promo. They have amazing prop bets. And one of them is you can buy two rounds on our judge's scorecard. So basically, all Tim would need to do is win one single round and you hit your bet. That is basically a guarantee. He should win one round. This is probably a 29-28 war. But uh, I'm not touching it. I haven't touched it, but we'll see. Next up at UFC Vegas 39, we have Randy Brown versus Jared Gooden. Randy Brown, 13 and four overall, three and two in his last five. Jared Gooden, 18 and six overall, also three and two in his last five. Randy Brown, 
There we go. Randy Brown is a very good striker. Uh, he uses range really well. He's stupid tall for this weight class, and he definitely takes advantage of that. He has nice, long jabs and kicks to keep you at bay. And then when he's ready, he will use that speed and initiate solid boxing speed. He'll just jump right in, pow, come right back out. Um, he has nice trip and Uchimata-style takedowns, uh, not traditional, you know, work against the cage, double leg type takedowns. But he does have solid jujitsu if he hits the mat. And he's honestly very, very good. And I'm surprised he doesn't get more attention than he does. Uh, Jared Gooden, physically very different than Randy. Instead of tall and lanky, he's short and jacked. He has amazing power in his hands. He's very explosive, has solid takedowns when he uses them. He's not great anywhere, but his power, speed, and athletic ability have afforded him quite a bit of success in his career. Uh, Randy's should be the more skilled fighter in literally every MMA aspect. Uh, except if you look at the striking stats, Randy gets hit or, uh, except you look at the power, Jared's got a ton of power. Randy doesn't have a ton. Um, uh, Jared gets hit 30% less than he hits other people. Um, where Randy gets hit 35% more than he hits other people. I see Randy controlling distance, engaging when he feels safe from the power. Uh, and I think it might be a boring first round as he avoids the early storm, gauges the distance, figures, you know, am I going to get knocked out? Am I not going to get knocked out? Takes his time to figure that out and then picks the, picks up the pace in the next round. Jared Gooden coming off that awesome knockout win over Nicolas Stolice. So pretty solid, easy, straightforward pick for me for Randy. Obviously the power of Jared will be there. He will be live for a knockout at any moment, but. You know, I think Randy's just better everywhere in an MMA fight. What do you think? Yeah, this is kind of a weird co-main event um, because I think this is kind of a boring fight. I, I agree that Randy should win. You kind of you kind of took the words right. He's just the more diverse fighter, right? He can he can do more things and, and be more powerful, be more athletic. So he should win this fight. Uh, but I'm rooting very, very heavy for Jared Gordon because, as you know, I got back from Vegas. Okay, and. There was a night, you know, I had like a drink or two. I go to the sports book. I'm looking at the UFC bets. And last week, there was a fighter who I was very confident in. His name was Jared Gordon. Okay. So I wanted to place a very confident four-unit bet on Jared Gordon. Turns out, I placed that four-unit bet on Jared Gooden. I went to cash the bet. The guy won the fight. I thought I won my four units. At the, I think he was plus odds as well. I go to the sports book. Thank you. Can I get my money? And they said, this is for next week. So Jared Gooden, please, for the love of God, you got to win, man. <laughs> you got to win. I got four units on you. You got to win. I'm the biggest Jared Gooden fan you've ever seen in your life. What a dumb. I couldn't believe I did it. That's funny. What do you uh, What do you think of the DraftKings or Monkey Knife Fight line? Uh, it's probably more and more, honestly, because Gooden is, is good in his own right. And he's a tough dude. Um, and I, I don't see Randy really overwhelming him. So I would probably play the more and more and I would stay away from DraftKings just because Gooden does have power coming back. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with any of that stuff because I, I think, you know, cause I mentioned the first round might be boring. Like Randy is obviously going to be hyper aware of Jared Gooden's power and probably just take his time, try to keep him at bay, use that range. So Randy, you know, the strike line's probably pretty solid, but if if Jared lands 51 strikes, you imagine a few of them have some legit power on him, and then that could be a problem. If you 
you know, it's it, if you think Randy's just going to touch him up, keep him at bay the whole time, then he's not going to get anywhere near 51. So uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that strike line. I like um, I like Randy to win. And honestly, the odds are probably pretty good because Jared Gooden only has one way to win this fight where Randy Brown has five or six different ways to win this fight. So I'm not touching it with anything. Uh, I'm going to leave it alone. We'll see what happens as the week goes on. But Randy Brown is the pick. Next up at UFC Vegas 39, we have the main event of the evening. Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez. Mackenzie Dern, 11 and over, 11, ugh, 11 and one overall, four and one in her last five. Marina Rodriguez, 14, one and two in her career. She is three, one and one in her last five. Marina Rodriguez is the real deal. She has wins almost every woman in the top five except Carla Esparza. She grinds out decisions. She knocks people out. She submits people. She's legit a threat everywhere and is definitely the more complete fighter. If you look at a fighter as a whole, you factor in the striking, the fight IQ, the grappling, all of it. She's the more well-rounded fighter. Uh, she's a very good boxer with solid speed and power. If you want to see her power, go back and watch her fight against Amanda Hibas. She absolutely just, that power is incredible in that early, fight. It was, it was an early stoppage. MMA math doesn't work because if it did, we'd have a very clear winner, right? And Hebas beat Mackenzie Dern, and then Marina Rodriguez put a beating on Hebas. Uh, Marina has struggled with wrestlers in the past. Uh, watched the Carla Esparza fight or even the last round of the Karate Hottie fight. Uh, but her takedown defense is actually solid at 62%. Mackenzie has a horrific. 10% takedown accuracy on her takedowns, which is mind-blowing considering that is her path to victory in every single fight. You heard me screaming and yelling about this with Brian Ortega. I don't know how you can be that good on the ground and have no takedown abilities whatsoever. That's how you're going to win fights, figure out how to get it there. Mackenzie Dern, very similar boat. Um, so Mackenzie's obviously an amazing grapple, grappler. Uh, she's trouble for anybody on the ground. Her striking has improved since her debut. She's definitely gotten more comfortable in the exchanges. The issue is she's almost too comfortable sometimes. She charges forward with big shots. She's not even looking for takedowns right away. Uh, she does have or doesn't have much striking defense and the stats show it. She's only 38% accurate with her offense and for every punch she lands, she receives. So she is hittable. She throws wild, charges forward. She's gotten more comfortable with the striking, but you know, that honestly is a problem if with Marina Marie, on the other hand is hit only she's hit 25% less than she hits other people. Uh, it's a tough fight to pick. It is a tough fight to pick because Mackenzie Dern is such a threat on the ground. And you know, Marina Rodriguez is going to have to stay off the ground by any means necessary for 25 minutes, which is a, it's a hard thing to do, right? One mistake that could be the end of it. And since her loss to Amanda Hebas, Mackenzie Dern honestly looks like a different fighter. She looks good. I'm picking Marina Rodriguez. I have a money line on her at plus 145. But it's a tough fight to pick, and I'm just going to be praying this doesn't make it to the ground. What do you think? What a joke. What an absolute joke of a breakdown that was. Mackenzie Dern, Chris Riley in the chat nailed it. Mackenzie Dern is the Francis Naganu of the ground. 
Okay. And not only is she dominant on the ground, she is one of those rare fighters that knows what she's bad at and has been and been improving those skills, right? She couldn't get any takedowns when she first started. Now she can kind of get takedowns. Her striking was awful when she first started. Now she can strike, right? She, she I agree. She probably goes to it a little too much, but you know, she can strike now. Um, and she proved, uh, I think a lot of people thought she was just kind of a jujitsu, wasn't very tough. I think that was another stip, uh, stipulation to her. And she's proved how tough she is in a, in a number of fights because she does get hit and her nose will be busted up and she keeps coming forward. If this fight touches the mat, Marina is going to get submitted. This is the quote I absolutely love. And it's from Marina herself. She said, quote, I'm ready to show my jujitsu skills. I'm ready to show my jujitsu skills. You are ready to lose an effing arm or a leg if you go to the ground against Mackenzie Dern. If that's your mindset going into it, like, oh, I don't care if I get taken. I'm ready for it. No, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. It's Mackenzie Dern. She's going to submit you. That's why she's the lock of the week. She's the lock of the week back to back. Last time I put two units on her, I think I'm probably going to put 20 units on her to win this fight. Minus 160. I don't care. Mackenzie Dern, lock of the week for like four or five in a row, I think. I won the 10 units last week. I'm going 20 units on Dern. Let's go after it. Yeah, I mean... She is just so dangerous on the ground, but that's the only place she's dangerous. The only place she's dangerous. I agree. If Marina Rodriguez is talking about her own jujitsu, that's a problem. That's a problem because why? Why? Obviously, train it. Be she prepared. Never for it, want but... to go. If she's like, if no, she's comfortable with it. That's that's not good for her. I don't know, no. I don't know what her coat. Maybe it's just something to say to get Mackenzie's head. I don't know, but she better be working on take down the fence. That's all you need to work down that. I I completely agree. So I do like the more more uh, on Monkey Knife fight. I, I think this fight does go a bit because I think Marina wins. If there's a TKO, it'll be late. Marina's not going to win by submission. And if I think Marina wins, then I don't see Mackenzie submitting her early. So I like the more more on Monkey Knife fight. I think they'll go at it. Mackenzie Dern. I just walked through the stats. She doesn't land very accurately, but she just comes marching forward, throwing all sorts of crazy crap. And I think Marina's superior striking will be there. Blast her in the face, move out the way, blast her in the face, move out of the way. Mackenzie Dern will get desperate with takedowns, get hit even more. The issue is Marina will have to defend takedowns for 25 minutes. So if Mackenzie was a little bit better of a wrestler, I'd be positive that she was going to win, but she's not. Her wrestling sucks. But it, would you agree that it's improving every fight? Everything improves every fight for her. But 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 it's absurd to say that Marina Rodriguez is not improving every single fight as well. So... You know, Marina Rodriguez, look who she's beaten. She beat Karate Hottie. She beat Amanda Hebas. She beat Tisha Torres. So look at all the people she's beaten. Who has the Rebos fight was a, the Rebos fight was an early stoppage. Rebos was who? absolutely literally fine. absolutely fine in that fight. Rebos was absolutely she was looking good. She was feeling good. She was absolutely perfect in that fight. Amanda, you're perfect. Okay. Anybody watch the fight? He's obviously biased based off Instagram pictures. But like, who has Mackenzie Dern beaten? Nobody. Nobody. She just beat Nunes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, why don't you apply a first name to that statement? What's that? I, it, it's not Amanda Nunes. <laughs> so yeah. Listen, I think uh, I, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty square on Marina Rodriguez, Rodriguez winning this fight. I think Mackenzie Dern is a little bit, um, I think my, my wife just joined the live chat to bust my balls. I think Mackenzie Dern is a little bit overrated when she hits the ground. 
it's obviously trouble for anybody, but I don't think it needs to get there. I don't think it will get there. Marina McKenzie outboxed Verna in that matchup. She won a boxing decision, three round decision versus Verna, who was a 17 and two fighter about to fight, about to get destroyed by Hebas as well. But you know, she, she beat her. Who's a, a proven fighter. So and it beat her in a boxing match. So, you know, don't, don't count out McKenzie's striking. All right. Well, we just got a comment in the live chat from Chris saying that, FanDuel is offering plus 150 on Dern to win by submission. So if you think she's going to win, that's how she's going to do it. Grab that. If you want other prop bets like plus three and a half. So I just did Marina Rodriguez money line. If you want plus three and a half, which just means Marina needs to win one single round, or actually in a main event, she's got to win two rounds. You get some solid odds there. She could definitely win two rounds, basically avoid the submissions and those rounds. That's the are worst hers. bet you could place. We want picks.com slash bets. Jump, jump into a link. Grab yourself a promo. Bet Online has the best prop bets by far. Bet US has the best parlay abilities. You can grab anything you want, smash them together, and make an awesome parlay. We on picks.com slash MKF to hit the more more on this monkey knife fight line. Did you say if you like the more more on this? I play the more more. Yeah, five rounds for sure. Yeah, because they're both tough. Yeah, yeah I think it'll. Uh, I think it'll go. I think it'll go a little bit. So, everybody, thank you for watching. That is our breakdown. Stay tuned for our DraftKings breakdown, Monkey Knife Fight breakdown. I will do if Chris is available the Monkey Knife Fight line setting breakdown, and of course, our betting guide. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you later this week.